Hi everyone, so excited to share my conversation with my friend Meg Donahue, a USA Today bestselling author. This was a super fun podcast for me because not only is Meg a Philadelphia native, but she also is best friends with my cousin, Anna ficken Lesiditz and friends with my sister, Patrice Hayden-Mayer. She also spends three weeks in Avalon, New Jersey every summer, which is where I also spend my summers. In fact, we conducted the interview this past August right in Avalon. So quick background on Meg, she was born and raised right outside of Philadelphia in a town called Chestnut Hill, where she attended Penn Charter and then continued on to Dartmouth for college and Columbia University for grad school. Meg now resides in San Francisco with her husband and three beautiful young girls, ages 10, eight, and five. So throughout our conversation, Meg tells us all about her journey of how she became a writer of five incredible novels. Meg writes with warmth and humor about love, hope, family, friendship, loss, and forgiveness. I'm not that familiar with this industry, so it was super interesting to learn all about how each novel comes together. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Meg as much as I did. Welcome, Meg, to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks so much for taking the time. Um, And so there's a couple of reasons why I'm excited to have you here today. So number one is because... um, I've only read one author prior to you, so Laura Vanderkam. She's a time management expert, uh, but you're my very first fiction writer, and Great. I don't know a lot about your industry, so I'm so excited to learn more. Uh, number two, I'm a huge fan of your books. I just was telling you that I was up late reading You, Me, and the Sea last night, and I just got off the phone with um, Patrice, my sister, and she said she finished it in three days, so anyone that's listening has to tune in. Um, and then number three, even though you currently reside in San Francisco, you were born and raised in Philadelphia, so I love when I have the opportunity to feature Philadelphia success stories. Um, number four, you went to William Penn Charter, and for listeners that don't know, it's a high school in Philadelphia, yeah. and that's where you met my cousin, Annie Fick and Lesovitz, yeah. and you're also friends with my sister, Patrice Hiddemeyer, mm-hmm. so a shout out to Annie and Patrice yeah, for helping connect us. <laughs> um, and number five, we're here in Avalon, which is awesome. Yeah. So uh, we both spent our summers here, and it's mm-hmm. Friday. Yeah. which is really exciting. Woo-hoo. Yeah, so I thought we would start off by having you provide the listeners with a little bit of background on where you grew up and went to high school, you know, and charter and everything. Yeah, so um, I grew up in Chestnut Hill, which is mm-hmm. in Philadelphia, but feels very suburban in feel. Um, so I sort of look back at that time as having the best of many different worlds in that mm-hmm. we sort of got the great suburban experience where we had a lot of freedom and rode around on our bikes unsupervised. Yeah. I also grew up riding horses, so I spent a lot of time at a barn and you know, okay. what felt like the country, although it was really actually very close to Philadelphia. Um, and then my parents both worked downtown, and so mm-hmm. we spent a lot of time in downtown Philadelphia going out to restaurants and okay. plays and... Um, so I felt like I got, you know, this experience of right. a big city, the suburbs, and the country all rolled okay. into one childhood. So yeah. really, I look back at it as a great, a wonderful mm. childhood and a great place to grow up. Got it. Um, and then I always like to ask guests sort of what influence your parents had on you. Yeah. So uh, my parents are both lawyers, mm-hmm. and they um, they both have a really strong love of the arts and okay. always have. And so I always think that, you know, growing up with two art lovers as parents, um, and by art, I mean, not only, um, visual arts, but 
Mm-hmm. Um, they were both big readers always. We always went to plays. There was okay. always music playing in my house, usually mm-hmm. classical music. Right, <laughs> like yeah. Very, they were just very, very interested in um, the world of artists. And I think they, they're art collectors as well, but they're not, um, you know, they couldn't afford, nor I don't know if, well... They really enjoyed going and discovering new artists, right? Yeah, know, at like early points of their career. And okay, so I think um, somehow that sort of filtered into me in some ways. And okay, when I look back, I think that I was influenced by this um, at an early age of feeling like you know an artist isn't just someone at the top of their game sure, at the yeah. end of their career making okay. bundles and bundles of money and in all the top museums, like an mm-hmm. artist starts out somewhere else in a yeah. small gallery and, you know, they get discovered and they end up in someone's home right. and they influence their, you know, that family's life and yeah. the different ways that artists, you know, are part of okay. the fabric of um, a family yeah. and, and someone's life. I, I love that outlook. Yeah. Really nice. Yeah, it really... I really, you know, it wasn't something that obviously I was totally conscious of growing mm-hmm. up, but right. I think looking back, I can see how that definitely, definitely influenced my um, confidence okay. in becoming and believing that an artist was something totally. I could be, a writer was something I could be. Yeah, you know? so nice. Um, and then also, you know, I, uh, my aunt has, until just a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. had a children's bookstore in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. Okay. And I spent a lot of time there growing up as Got well. It. So I think being around um, books all the time. Totally, yeah. That, you know, sort of felt like books were part of our family okay. along the way. Very nice. Do you have any siblings? I have an older brother. An older brother. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Very cool. Um, okay. So moving on. So you did Penn Charter, Baldwin yeah. for a quick second, back yeah. to Penn Charter. <laughs> yeah. And then um, you went to Dartmouth? I did. So why yeah. did you decide on Dartmouth town? So my dad went to Dartmouth for undergrad. Okay. So we had um, traveled up there a couple of, you know, a handful of times probably okay. throughout my childhood. So I was vaguely familiar with the campus. Um, I loved the color, um, forest green. Yeah. Totally, <laughs> so, you yeah. know, I wanted to go to school. And I liked the color Those are things that honestly influenced my decision, which yeah. in retrospect is crazy, but right. you know, I was very excited to wear green. Um, they do have good colors. They have sure. good colors. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I also went to summer camp in Vermont. Near oh, nice. Dartmouth is in New Hampshire, but, um, nearby in Vermont, I okay. spent a lot of time in the summer growing up. I sort of I would come to Avalon and I would go yeah. to summer camp up in Vermont. Okay. So I felt like that sort of area of New England was, Definitely, yeah. you know, just a beautiful place to spend four years. Okay. Um, so I applied early to mm-hmm. Dartmouth and um, got in and so the decision was sort of made. Yeah, right, Early right. and easily and um, relatively yeah. easily. So, so yeah, so I ended up at Dartmouth okay. and um, I... You know, maybe we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but yeah. I, I already knew at that point that I wanted to be a writer. I did. Okay. I did. Got it. Um, but, and there was an option to be a creative writing major at mm-hmm. Dartmouth, but I think I decided not to do that because I really wanted to have a sort of broader major. Mm-hmm. Got it. Um, okay. I could really read a lot of different things and, and you could certainly do that as a creative writing major, right. but I yeah. think I, just the idea of um, having sort of a broader education appealed to me. Okay, got So it. I ended up majoring in comparative literature, which okay. you choose um, American literature, and then you get to choose one other foreign literature oh, wow. to compare and contrast instead right. of both. And I really wanted to go um, 
studying abroad is a big component of the Dartmouth okay. education, yeah. and I really wanted to go to Italy, so um, I chose Italian mm-hmm. literature, so I majored in comparative literature, studying American and okay. Italian literature, and I took Very some cool. creative writing classes okay. as well, because it's kind of a major where you can um, create your own curriculum. Got it. Okay. Very so cool. I studied writing, um, and yeah, I had... I, Dartmouth it was a great experience, although I have to say maybe because I was at Penn Charter for so long yeah. and just felt like such an important time of my life when I right, looked back right. at my education, I think just as much of Penn Charter as I do of Dartmouth. Dartmouth yeah, you know? for sure. Yeah. On the same way. Yeah. <laughs> I love what I mean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, the friends that I've the made, friends, I have yeah. great friends from Dartmouth who I mm. love dearly, but the friends that I have from Penn Charter are like family. Yeah. You know? So nice. Yeah. Very cool. So then you went to Dartmouth and mm-hmm. just so the listeners know, you're 40 or 41? 41. 41. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So you're 41. So yeah. you went to Dartmouth and yeah. then what happened when you graduated? Did you want to go back to Philly? Did you move to New York? I, I know those are usually two, the, the two places people yeah. go to. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually went back to Philly for the summer to sort of okay. gather my thoughts about mm-hmm. <laughs> what the next step was. Right. Um, and I taught horse, I rode horses all through college. Oh, cool. Um, I was on the equestrian team at Dartmouth. Yeah. And so I rode all through college, came back to Philadelphia and taught horseback riding for okay. the summer at a barn. Um, and was just sort of trying to figure out my next move. Yeah. Um, and a lot of my friends were moving to New York. I had a boyfriend who was an undergrad at Columbia okay. at the time. So Got he was it. in New York. So everything was kind of like going to New York, pushing me to New York. Yeah. And I ended up, um, I can't remember what, what job website I found my job on. It was like, you know, monster.com or something like okay. that. I found this job um, that I applied for, which was to be an assistant at a literary agency, which okay. I didn't even know what that was at the right. time. But um, I've since learned um, from a lot of different aspects what that means. And okay. um, writers have agents just like actors have agents. Okay. Those are the people that um, negotiate their deals for them. Sure, so yeah. they broker the deals basically between mm-hmm. the authors and the publishing, publishing. house and okay. editors. Um, so I didn't even know that that part of publishing existed. I didn't right. realize there was sort of a middleman there. I just thought it was the publishing house and the, and the writer. Got it, okay. Um, but this particular job was in the foreign rights department of a literary agency, and those are the people that broker the deals with foreign publishers. Okay. So um, it's... You know, there's a lot to it, but that's right. sort of the simple version of it. And um, I, it was a perfect job for me because yeah. I had studied Italian and American literature. So it just, exactly. like, you know, really touched all of my interests. Fell in the place. And, yeah. you know, made, I think, on their end, made a lot of sense why I would be a good candidate for this job as well, even though I had no experience in publishing. Okay. But it was a perfect first job. I loved it. You know, I got the job, moved to New York, okay. lived with Anna in the kitchen. Oh, yep. my gosh. A terrible, terrible apartment yeah. that we can, we can talk about at length later. But yeah. <laughs> the cockroaches, like the whole, the whole, the whole experience. Yeah, yeah, for sure. all happening there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, obviously had so much fun. So much fun, too. yeah. So I worked at that job um, at ICM, which is, okay. um, it's a big talent agency, but I worked in the New York office in their literary department Okay. Um, for two years. Got it. And then um, somewhere in there, you know, maybe about a year and a half into that job, I started thinking that I really wanted to go back to grad school for sure. creative writing. And yeah. so applied. Um, to Columbia and okay. ended up at Columbia after that job. For, Got it. Um, 
for a Master of Fine Arts in Creative Writing. Okay. How old were you at that point? Like 24, 25? Oh, still. Okay. Oh, no, sorry. 24. Yeah. 24. Okay. Got it. And how long is the, was the grad school program? So the grad school is two years of classes. Okay. And then after that, they give you up to three years to finish your thesis, which is oh, wow. either a novel or a book of short stories. Okay. So for me, I was working on a novel at that point. Um, and I can't remember how, how much of those three years I ended up using, but um, I met my husband in New York. Oh, nice. Okay. Around, right, really is soon after I got there, broke up yeah. with the Columbia boyfriend. Right, 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 yeah. And, you know, same year, met my now husband. Um, and he ended up applying to business school in Chicago. Okay. And so we moved, while I was still technically enrolled at Columbia, but I was done got with it. coursework, we sure. moved to um, Chicago. I know and that. And I was writing there okay. for a couple of years. Very cool. And got my degree, and then we moved from there to San Francisco, San Francisco. Okay. which is where he's from. Where he's husband. from. Okay, yeah. got it. So yeah. at that point, when you're fully done... The two years and the three years, you're like, what, 28 around, 29? Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah, got we got it. married when we were 28. Okay. Yeah. And moved out to San Fran. Moved out to San Fran. And you've been there ever since. A year since. later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's been about 12 years that we've yeah. been in San Francisco. Wow. Yeah. And you have three girls, right? Three girls. Okay. Yeah. They're 10, 8, and 5. 10, 8, and 5. Those are good ages. Yeah. Really good ages. a lot of fun. Is it true you have a daughter named Hayden? I do. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I have to. Yeah. I, we just said I was talking to Patrice, uh, my sister, right before yeah. we were friends with. Yeah. And she was like, you know, she named a, a daughter Hayden. Because right. my sister Patrice's son's Hayden. Yeah. My last name's Hayden. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's a good it's a name. Good, it is it's a good a name. It's a solid name. It's a solid name. Yeah. So she I love has it. She's a boy Hayden, right? She's a boy. Yeah. We have a, ours is a girl. Okay. Yeah. He's two. Yeah. So, cute. really cute. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So, you moved to San Fran. And yeah. then, t- since we're on the topic of kids, I always like yeah. to bring that up with working yeah. moms, too. So I'm 31, and mm-hmm. a lot of my friends um, either just had their first baby or are thinking about it. So yeah. do you have any advice for someone that's just starting a family, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say it is a really great time if you haven't already felt like you're in touch with your gut instincts about mm-hmm. things to okay. really find a way to key in to what your gut is telling you. Because yeah. Um, you know, there's so much parenting advice out there and right. so much of it, if it, if it, if you're following it and it doesn't really align with how you feel about, mm-hmm. you know, whatever topic it is, whether yeah. it's breastfeeding or, um, sleep training okay. or when to start solid foods, you know, whatever it is yeah. that you're sort of following, if it doesn't align with like something deep in your core, then it feels like, um, you're failing or you're not doing it right, right. or, um, something's off, you know? Yeah. And so I feel like that's such a good time in your life. And obviously it's such a good thing to, you know, your gut is so yeah. important to be important, in touch yeah. with for every aspect of your life. But I feel like that's a great time to really hone in on it and like yeah. figure out, you know, just because everybody is telling me to do this mm-hmm. particular thing right. doesn't mean that it's right for me or my child exactly. or, you know, our lives at this particular moment. Right. Know, to always like continually touch base with how you think you feel about it. And Your that intuition, obviously yeah. sounds, it's much easier to say than do because mm-hmm. sometimes you don't know how you feel about it. And right. So you have to try things to figure out okay. which one feels right. But, yeah. Um, to never feel like just because you're not doing it the way your friend did it or the right. way the expert did it. Yeah. That means that you've failed or you're doing it incorrectly. Like, right. That's, you know. There's no one way to parent yeah. or to have a child or to raise a child or okay. any of those things, you know. So trust so, in your gut. Trust your gut. Yeah, yeah. I like that. My mom yeah. was actually just saying that yeah. the other night. Yeah. 
because I was at dinner with some girlfriends and they both were, two of them were, were moms and they were kind of comparing things. I was telling my mom about it. I was like, there's no right or wrong. No. Yeah. There isn't. There so. isn't. You know, you can't, you can't walk in anyone else's shoes. You can mm-hmm. only walk in your own shoes and figure out how, how you're going to do it. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so you're in San Fran, yeah. and you started having your kids. Yeah. Um, so at what point did you um, publish your first book? So I published my first book in 2012. Okay. Um, but wrote it really in, I think, 2010. Okay. Um, and I had, in the years between grad, between finishing my degree mm-hmm. and publishing the first book, I did like every kind of writing related job you can imagine. Okay. Got so it. I was always writing creatively on the side, but I was sure. also writing for websites, magazines. Okay. Um, I started, uh, writing resumes for mm-hmm. people like through a larger company and then started my own resume writing company. Oh wow. Okay. Basically anything that involved words that I could, you know, make Practice some money on. at. Yeah. I was doing, I was okay. blogging, you know, I was just right. kind of like had my hand in, in a lot of different places trying to, you know, scrape together a living right. through writing. Through writing, yeah. Um, and a friend of mine had um, was an editor at HarperCollins, mm-hmm. and I had had her read my um, thesis for Columbia, which okay. was a novel. Okay. But I had her read it because I wanted to pass and get my degree, right. not so much because I was like, I think this is the novel that I'd like to publish yeah. or attempt to have published. And um, But she had given me really good feedback and, and helped me, you know, think about, about the book in different ways years earlier when mm-hmm. I was getting my degree. And then years later, probably around 2010, I think, um, she called me up and talked to me about a couple of ideas sure, for yeah. books and seeing whether I'd be interested in coming together, putting together a proposal. Okay. And, um, so from that conversation, I ended up writing a proposal for this book idea about two old friends okay. who are really sort of frenemies, but okay. they've, they've grown up together and they get together, um, much later in life to open up a cupcake business and, okay. and how that affects their relationship and sort of uncovering old secrets and okay. those, uh, you know, fun, fun book about friendship, but also about how, um, food brings people together. Sure. Yeah. So I wrote a proposal for this book that included the summary of the book and a couple of chapters from from each of the main characters points of view. And this friend of mine who's an editor at HarperCollins made an offer on the book. And, and, um, so I signed a contract to write the book, Okay, which is, all of this is very different than the typical publishing process, which I know because I had you know, worked at a agency. Right. So I know yeah. typically the process is you write, especially for novels, more okay. than nonfiction, you write a novel and then you send out that novel to agents and you try okay. basically your like first step is to land an agent. Right. So you okay. send out your book to a bunch of different agents okay. and hope that one of them says, well really you send like a little bit of your book and hope one of them says, can I see the whole book? I like, right. the, I okay. like that chapter. Got it. And then you sign with an agent Okay. who then maybe works with you on the book for a little bit. They're kind of your first editor. And then they send your book out to editors to try and get one of them to buy your book book. or the publishing house. So this was because I had worked in publishing, Mm -hmm. gone to Columbia, had a friend who's an editor, you know, all of these connections. I was a little bit ahead of all of that. um, So, so wrote that first book for her. And then after, after that book, I, Subsequently, got an agent. Okay. Since negotiated my deal since then. Oh, but very it's nice. Sort of like a, 
you know, it's not the typical route to get a okay. published. Got it. <laughs> and just so listeners know, what sort of genre do you focus on and why did you decide to? Yeah. So, um, most people like booksellers describe mm-hmm. my books and I would say my editor probably describes my book as women's fiction. Okay. They all have very strong female protagonists. They yeah. tell stories about the lives of women. Okay. They're contemporary novels. You know, it's not mm-hmm. historical fiction and it's not romance, but got it. My books do tend to have some sort of romantic right. element to them, but they're not like typical romance books. Okay. Um, but they're about, you know, relationships between people mm-hmm. and the connections that bring people joy. And, right. Um, I, I think of my books as being all ultimately uplifting and right. that's the sort of book that I want to write. I would always. agree too. Yeah. So beautifully written. Like I said, thank I'm you. in the middle of you being a C and yeah. I was, I was telling Patrice, it's so good. Oh, so talented. You. Thank you. Um, so do you have to do re- like, how do you do research for each book? Cause I'm reading you mean the C right now. Yeah. And obviously you know a lot about that area. Right. And then, so, so how does that all come together? Yeah. I mean, it's obviously different for every book. Every book. Yeah. Each of my books have been, um, you know, they all fall under this umbrella of, mm-hmm. of being women's stories and uplifting okay. and hopeful. Mm-hmm. Um, but under that umbrella, there's a lot of wiggle room. And so they're all a little bit different. Yeah. Um, and so this, latest book, You, Me, and the Sea, which mm-hmm. was just published in May. Okay. Um, it's inspired by Wuthering Heights. That's right. So okay. I read and reread, I mean, I first read Wuthering Heights as a teen and, you know, yeah. obviously since when I was working on this book, reread it quite a few times right. to sort of figure out which parts of the story I wanted to thread through okay. my story, yeah. which is very different than Wuthering Heights, but, yeah. um, you know, has some ties to it. So that was some of the research I did. Okay. And then... Um, I set my book, instead of being in England, where right. Wuthering Heights is yeah. at, I set it in Northern California, which is okay. where I live. Sure, yeah. Because the the cliffs along yeah. the beaches there, I mean, the beaches there are so different than the beaches of Avalon. Right. Always have, you know, the number one spot in my heart. Yeah, like, yeah, this yeah. This is the best island Yeah. beaches, for right. sure. But after that, I would say, you know, the beaches of Northern California are okay. just so wild and untamed yeah. compared to the beaches here. You know, it's got a, such a different feel when you Definitely, go to those beaches. Yeah. And the ocean is freezing and um, huge waves. Okay. You know, it just feels like a wild kind of totally experience. It's yeah. very, very different and reminded me a lot of Wuthering Heights yeah. in terms of just how dramatic it is and okay. romantic, like with fog and sure all yeah that. so um you know a lot of my research is sort of experiencing the places yeah that I'm writing about so a lot of like walks on the beach in different yeah. weather so I know how I really want to describe it interesting and, okay and my characters grow up on a farm um that doesn't have a lot of water so mm-hmm. I researched this um concept of dry farming which is basically oh, wow. when you allow the land to like soak in whatever little bit of water it gets which yeah in California is fog mostly okay and, you know, there are some rainy months, but yeah. there's a lot of many, many, many months of dry weather. So it's like figuring out how to basically till the land so that it holds the water like a yeah. sponge even through those dry months without having any sort of, um, you know, man-made irrigation yeah, in place. Yeah, that's so interesting. So, yeah, so like that's, yeah, so that's not like, something I grew up in right, Chestnut Hill. Right, 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that, you know, took some research to okay. find out about, yeah. um, more about, and I think works as a really good metaphor. I find that's the amazing thing about researching mm-hmm. books and really getting into this almost sort of like meditative state when you're thinking about right. the stories is, okay. is how 
you know, you'll be researching something that feels like kind of concrete, like dry farming. Okay. And all of a sudden, it feels like a metaphor for your story. And right. And that you didn't even realize it was going to. And, yeah. You know, like when I was writing All the Summer Girls, mm -hmm. which is set mostly here in Avalon. In Avalon, yeah. Um, there are parts of that story that are also set in San Francisco. And okay. And never before that, even though at that point I'd been living in San Francisco for, like, five or six years, mm -hmm. I had never before that thought about the similarities between San Francisco and Avalon, okay. but as I sat down to write and really think about those places, yeah. I started to realize, like, this is a seven-mile island. Right. San Francisco is seven miles by seven oh, miles. Interesting, you yeah. Know, it's on the beach. There's, I can't even remember some of the, you know, there's just, yeah. there are all these, like, similarities that kept, you know, and these sort of, like, threads that tied the two together in ways Definitely, that yeah. um, only researching things and really, like, thinking deeply about them right. brought, brought those themes out. And exactly, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I love how you focus on um, the water, too, because yeah. I was on your Facebook page yesterday, uh -huh. and I saw um, you, there was an article published on Coastal Living, yeah. and they also um, gave You, Me, and the Sea one of the best feature reads of the summer, yeah. but someone quoted it says, um, the term blue mind describes the mildly meditative state we fall into when near, in, on, or underwater. It's antidote, it's antidote to what we refer to as red mind, which is the anxious, overconnected, and overstimulated state that defines the new normal of modern life. Mm -hmm. So, And I never knew that, that it's really true that research shows that being near water both inspires and soothes people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know, and that's the kind of thing that comes out of research. I think there are these things that you maybe don't put words to, but you intuitively know, right? Yeah. Like there's... You know, maybe you haven't thought super deeply about why it is you love Avalon, but as soon as you start to think, yeah. why is it I love Avalon? Why is it I love going to the beach? And you, yeah. like, you're, you know, imagine as a writer, you're like sitting at your desk trying to really get to the heart of right. what it is that makes a place special, yeah. makes you feel connected to it. Those are the sorts of ideas that start ideas. to surface as you're researching yeah. or just from your own experience, they start to like come to you that... Yeah, I mean, so cool. every time I'm near the water, I feel uplifted, or I feel peaceful, yeah. or it makes me feel inspired to, like, make a change in my life. Definitely, or, yeah. Know, like, why Why is that? Why you is know? that? It's yeah. Like exciting to exactly. think about why, what is it that makes you feel these different emotions? Yeah. So cool. So within the past, I think I read you've written five books in the past seven years? Yep. Okay. Yes. So you wrote your first one, and then mm -hmm. how long does it take in between each novel? Like, what's that? So, like, lab time? Um, normally, I, it takes me about a year to write a book. Okay. And then I submit it to my editor, and we work on it together for two to three months, I'll say. Okay, got and it. And then there's about another nine months after that. Got it. Before it's published. Generally, it's, like, start to finish two years. Okay. a year of that is me really writing the writing book. Writing it, And then sure. a year is kind of working on the other aspects of what it takes to publish a book. Got it. Okay. Um, so my books have generally come out about two years apart. But two that's, apart. it's different for, for every writer. There are some writers who, you know, obviously write quicker and some yeah. who take 10 years per book. And, okay. And there are some books that, you know, need to come out at a certain time because mm -hmm. they're topical and, and my books Interesting. Okay. generally, like, it's just whatever feels best for, um, you know, the timing. Got it. Okay. That, is how we work it out. And one question I had too is because obviously you have three little ones. Mm -hmm. So how do you balance that? So having kids and your husband yeah. and then also writing these novels, like yeah. how does that work? Um, you know, I never, when I was growing up and wanting to be a writer, I never thought about how it would, you know, be a great job to be uh, as a parent mm -hmm. as well. Um, I think that's something that 
people who grow up maybe wanting to be a teacher sometimes think about like, oh, you know, being a teacher is such a great way to, right. you have such good balance to sure. raise a family as well. But, you know, it wasn't any, anything that ever came into my thoughts, but mm-hmm. as it turns out, it's a great job to have as a, as a parent because, um, I make my own hours. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously there's times where it's, where everything feels like crunched and there's not enough yeah. hours in the day, but generally speaking, it's, you know, very flexible. Job. Okay. Got it. So, um, most of the, you know, most of the time it feels like a wonderful balance, yeah. but my, it's funny because my, when I first started writing and publishing novels, mm-hmm. my kids were so much younger and, okay. so, you know, some not even born yet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I would have, uh, some, a babysitter come like okay. a few hours a day, maybe four times a week. Okay. And got it. that small amount of time was the when time I had to write. And okay. I knew like the second the babysitter got there, I left because mm-hmm. at the time I didn't have any writing space in the house really. Okay. So I would leave and I would walk sure. down the street to a cafe and sit okay. down in a cafe and write for three hours and then come back and back. Yeah. take back over, you know, mom duty. Okay. Um, and I got a lot done during that right. time. I felt so efficient because I had such a limited amount limited. of time. Limited, yeah. And now I feel like with my youngest being five, mm-hmm. so she's starting kindergarten in the fall, but even before that, this whole year, she's been in like a pretty full-time yeah. preschool. Okay. So suddenly I have quite a few hours mm-hmm. every day. Yeah. Um, no need for childcare in addition to that. And I squander it. Like right, somehow right, I right. feel like I was so much more efficient. That's so funny. When I only had a few hours, but yeah. now I have all day and it's like, oh, I have all day. I can, you know, prioritize doing the shopping first right. or doing the laundry first or okay. going to the gym first. You know, I can prioritize yeah. all these other things that I didn't used to have time to do right. really, or at least, you know, I would just make time exactly. when I had a child with me and go okay. through those things and only use my work hours as work hours. Yeah. Okay. So it's in, in some weird ways it should be easier now. And a lot of ways it is for sure. Right. In other ways I feel like it's it's almost gotten harder. Yeah. That's so interesting. I'm less efficient with (laughs) but I have more of it. More of it. Right. Got it. it. Um, one question I forgot to ask too, um, when you first started, did you, um, were you afraid to like expose your work to the world? Were you like, are people going to like this? Like, what was that feeling of when you, when your first book did get published? Right. Um, definitely mixed feelings about it. I mean, in some ways I was definitely very nervous about it Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it feels like people compare it to having a baby. Like there's this long gestation period where it's such a private experience and then all of a sudden it's like out in the world world. and you're kind of, it's not in your control anymore, whether Mm -hmm. it's going to be well received or not received and that's very scary. Okay. Um, but I think one of the things that has always helped me and continues to help me because mm-hmm. honestly those feelings don't go away, okay. you know, book one to book five, like yeah. still similar nervousness and anxiety. Right. I, I will go online and read reviews of books that I love. Okay. And some of them are just panning those, you know, some of these re- reader reviews, people, you know, it's a subjective business. Okay. Reading is, you know books don't appeal to everyone. Not everybody is going to like everything and you can't go into it thinking okay. like this book, everybody's going to love this book. Right. It doesn't happen. That yeah. Way. It's not like a math problem where two plus two is always going to be four. Like exactly. This yeah. It's a story and it's going to connect with some readers Okay. and you hope that it connects with lots of readers, but you can never hope that it's going to connect with, with every everybody. reader. Right. It's just impossible. It's yeah. never going to happen. So I think okay. the perspective for me every once in a while, mm-hmm. like go online and <laughs> go yeah. on Goodreads or Amazon and like, check out a book that I think is just 
absolutely an amazing book. And okay. Read these terrible yeah, yeah. reviews. I'm right. Like, Listen, if this book, which is amazing, yeah. gets these terrible reviews, I should not worry if I receive the same sort of exactly. You know, it's like, yeah. It just puts it all in perspective. Totally. Me. So that helps a lot. Yeah. And I think also. Um, the experience of working on the business side of publishing at yeah. a literary agency. At that time in my life, I most of the reading I had done was um, like the classics, and, okay. and um, you know, I didn't at that time in my life before that taking that job, I really didn't read a lot of commercial fiction or fiction that ends up necessarily on the New York Times bestseller list or. Okay you know, um, more sort of popular fiction. I felt like it was okay. all these classics. And so even though I wanted to be a writer, I think right. it also terrified me because I didn't have the confidence that I could ever write this kind of books that okay. I read. Right. And then I started working at this publishing agency and became yeah. much more in touch with the whole world and spectrum of books that are published mm-hmm. to every reader's tastes and, and, you know, all these different kinds of stories and diverse stories and stories with different tones and yeah. light, happy reads and right. heavy, poetic, lyrical books. And, you know, there's yeah. so many books out there. And it just made me feel a lot more confident about finding my own voice and Definitely. where I fit into that and okay. not feeling like I needed to write the book that was going to end up on someone's college syllabus okay. in 20 years. You right. know, that stopped being, like, the only way to be a writer yeah. to me at that point because I saw, you know, this whole other world of books that was yeah. being published, which is silly. I Like, looking back, I'm like, how did I not know that before? Right, right, like, right. I didn't. Yeah. I don't know. I think I was just stuck reading these very classic yeah. novels. So interesting. Yeah. Um, and then what did you have any big aha moments? Like, you made certain, like, book list or book club list? Because you made a lot. I I was doing my research on everything. Yeah. (laughs) I think, um, well, let's see. My first book was a Boston Globe bestseller. Okay. And that feeling of, like, that was the first time a bestseller got to be associated with my Right, yeah. That's really really cool, yeah. Really, really great. Um, And then I think with All the Summer Girls, Mm -hmm. that was in People Magazine. Oh, very cool. It just felt like a magazine that. I don't know. You, I'd read it validates you know, it. Up, yeah, and like to totally. see my book in that's People really magazine cool. Was like this moment of like, oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, you know, I, you never. It, it still sort of feels like a like a dream in a way. You know, totally. Like yeah. There's never this moment where I'm like, okay, now I've made it. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's never something I can fully accept that like, you know, this is. Exactly. This is it. Yeah. You know, right. There's no further to go. I've right. 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 You know, yeah. I certainly have not hit that yet. I don't okay. think I'll ever feel like got it. I'm in that place. But I have had moments along the way that definitely feel very validating. And, yeah. And great. And make for me sure, feel um, like I can be proud of myself. Yeah. You know? Definitely. Because um, did I see you made like Oprah's list or something on that one? Yeah. In okay. her magazine. I had to say that. That's really cool. List. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. Um, and a lot of different book club lists too, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm in two book clubs. So I now I have to like make sure that you mean to see. Oh, good. Get to the next one, <laughs> yeah. which will be really fun. Call in to you guys. Oh, yeah. yeah. That'd be really cool. Um, I'm trying to think if I missed any questions that you might get because, you know, I think your industry, um, people don't know a lot about right. like, how the whole process works. So if yeah. there's anything I missed that you want to let the listeners know, let me know. But yeah. I feel like we kind of covered a lot. Um, so moving on a little bit, I always kind of ask all my guests some different like life questions. So, um, when you think of the word success, who do you Mm -hmm. think of? And it can be more than one person. Yeah. I have such a 
broad sort of definition of success. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, it feels like, um, for me, success is less important or maybe just synonymous with, Mm -hmm. um, finding your own personal happiness. Okay. And you know, that's how I think about it. And so it's so personal that I feel like for the most part, most of the people that I know, mm-hmm. luckily, yeah. I like they're all killing it in right. their own way, yeah, and right, I feel yeah. like they're all successful. Like whatever path they've chosen, mm-hmm. you know, there aren't a lot of people actually that I not that I would name them right now, okay, but there yeah. aren't a lot of people that I could even name to be like that person in my mind is not successful. Right, you right, know? right. Like, I guess I just think about it a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, no, I like that. Like everyone has yeah. their own path. Like yeah. what, what makes them happy? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good answer. Okay. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, So I think a lot of people put my guest on pedestals because of all the success they've had. I mean, you're a best-selling author, all that good stuff. Um, But as you know, we all face adversity and setbacks. So have you had any setbacks in your personal or your, you know, writing career um, that you could share and sort of how you persevered through it? Yeah. I think for me as a writer, the setbacks, again, tend to be very – like day-to-day kind of personal as I'm creating a book. Okay. Those yeah. are the ones that really are the hardest for me to get through okay. so far in my career. I find that um, this is something that surprises me about where I am in my career, that it can still feel so hard and okay. like such a challenge to write a book. Like yeah. You would think, I'm now writing my sixth book. Okay. Which actually, if you include the one I wrote for my graduate degree, is really my seventh book. Okay, so got it. So do you think that after seven books or right. six books, I would feel super confident in what I'm doing and like mm-hmm. I know what I'm doing and, yeah. you know, I I would have thought that. Right, okay. And I certainly do on a lot of levels because yeah. I know that I, I, I get in this place with every single book where, um, you know, when you start a new book, you've obviously just I've just finished mm-hmm. another book so okay. what's what's most fresh in my mind is the finished product of mm-hmm. the book that I've just written which has gone through so many versions of editing and okay. polishing and I've read it probably a hundred times and, right and edited and rewrited it and rewritten it and you know worked on it so much that yeah. um that it you know it's it's a long process to get there but right but in the end I'm holding a book and then yeah. I go to sit down and write a new book and anything at that point moving forward starts to feel like it's not working, it's not clicking. Okay. Somehow each time I forget how much work goes into making mm-hmm. it into this polished project right. and how yeah. much time and how much effort and how the first draft of anything mm-hmm. is not good right. You know, for any writer. I don't exactly. care which writer, you know, yeah. who you are. It's never that good the first time. Like right. the writing, I don't know who first said this, I've heard it attributed to a lot Mm -hmm. of different writers, but writing is rewriting. Okay. You know, the writing is not that first draft. It's the rewriting of that first draft. It's the rewriting of the 10th draft. Right. It makes the writing. Yeah. That's the work. And so that, even knowing that I still have really tough weeks and sometimes tough months. Yeah. Of feeling like the book isn't going anywhere. Okay. I've lost my ability to do this. Okay. And my confidence really takes a hit. Right. You know, so I think those are those are the setbacks that I find myself experiencing. experiencing and yeah. They're very personal. They're okay. very like internal, like me against me. Right. Kind right, of right. struggles. Yeah. Where the only thing holding me back is myself. Okay. Got you know? it. Yeah. And all the only thing I can do is sit my butt in that chair another day yeah. and keep working. Right. And like have the discipline to keep doing it 
even when it feels like it's going nowhere. Right. Because there's a long period where you're writing kind of in the dark. And yeah. You don't necessarily like in your know hole. where it's going. Yeah. You're in, your, you're in your hole. Um, you know, even if I, you know, have an outline for the book, mm-hmm. you know, either my mind or I've written down an outline. Even with an outline, you know, there's so many pages yeah. to go in between those like key plot moments. That, right. Um, that you can really struggle with then and definitely it can, yeah. it can feel very there are days where I feel like I'm failing. Okay, yeah. You know, and um, so those are tough. But the flip side is there are days where I feel like I'm getting it. And right. I made a breakthrough. And yeah. And those completely make up for the days that yeah. I feel like I'm failing. The peaks and valleys. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Luckily, the peaks feel yeah. good enough that yeah, it's yeah. worth weathering the storm. Right. There, you know. No, I'm good. You, I'm glad you shared that. Because right now, like, obviously, you mean the sea is everywhere and you're doing book talks and everything. So it's good for listeners to know that, you oh, know, yeah. there's a lot of dark times before that. Absolutely. Yeah. For so, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, another thing I talk about is art of listening. So I think that listening can be really difficult. I'm still trying to learn how to become a better <laughs> listener. Um, so how do you make sure to listen and take feedback from your readers? I think, um, part of being a writer is being a listener, mm-hmm. you know, to the, to the world in general, Yeah, and, you know, not just listening with your ears, but, um, visual, you know, being observant as okay. well, being thoughtful. And so, um, you know, you can't be a writer and only, and only be the talker, right? right. Like you, you're, uh, you become a writer because you're interested in like what other people are saying and how other people live and what their right. stories are. And you're very curious about the world and okay. other people's lives. So I think the profession itself lends Lend, itself yeah. to, to listeners. Right. Um, but in terms of reader's feedback, I think, um, kind of going back to what I said about advice for, mm-hmm. for new parents, you know, really finding your gut feeling about yeah. things and knowing sometimes readers feedback is so valuable mm-hmm. and, um, really helps me know what readers are connecting with, with my writing, you yeah. know, whether it be something as specific as saying like, you know, I love her dialogue, yeah, you know, and, and like taking in that positive feedback and, and thinking about putting more of that into my mm-hmm. next yeah. work or, or, um, you know, just generally feeling like I love when she writes about animals and yeah. you know, that, you know, that sort of thing. Okay. Um, but also knowing when, someone's feedback is completely valid for their reading experience of mm-hmm. the book, but doesn't really apply to okay. me and what I should do next. Right. Like, you know, only my gut can tell me totally, yeah. what to take in, what not to take in. And that doesn't right. mean, you know, unfortunately I have uh, a tendency to like really hear the negative stuff and okay. let the positive stuff slide right through me, which, right. you know, I'm working on and, right, right, right. you know, it'd be much healthier if I yeah. could hold on to the positive, positive stuff as yeah. much as I hold on to the negative stuff. Okay. Why, you know, why do that to myself? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, even, I think everyone thinks that way too. Yeah. I yeah, think we're conditioned. Really, supposedly, like, thing. we're conditioned because, like, way, you know, 100,000 years ago, um, we were always, um, we had to survive. So right. we were always looking, like, you know, in survival mode kind of, right. looking for the negative and right. not to be attacked or whatever. Right. So I think we're still conditioned to look for the negative. Yeah. You have to kind of, like, sense. practice looking for the positive. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I yeah. I feel like it's, yeah, it's like a natural condition that mm-hmm. is, um, 
you know, maybe served us a purpose a long, right, long time a long, ago, long time ago. But no longer really does. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. You gotta let it go. You like, gotta let it go. You have that like extra tailbone or whatever. Exactly. You know, like that. Like, yeah, yeah. Go. So. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I think finding ways to um, look for the positive. Look for and the positive. Yeah. And trust my gut about like mm-hmm. what's worth listening to and what's not, which there are no rules for, and yeah. you can only sort of find in yourself to figure out right how to get through that. Definitely. Know? Yeah. Um, how are we doing time to one more question that I love to ask people? Oh yeah, this is good. Perfect. So what did, so I'm 31. So I always selfishly ask the listeners, what advice would you give, um, to your 30 year old self? Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, so my 30 year old self, I had set this very arbitrary, didn't feel arbitrary at the time, Mm. but I always thought I would be, I would have a published novel by the time I was 30. Okay. And I don't know why I set that goal for myself. Yeah. I did. And looking back, I'm like, it's such a, like, you know, it's just a number. Right. It doesn't mean anything. Um, And I didn't have a book published by the time I was 30. So I think Mm. that was um, a disappointment. Okay. A little disappointed in in myself and wondering, you know, where that dream was going to go from there. Okay. And so, um, you know, looking back and like what I would tell myself is every day is different, you mm-hmm. know, like what is happening today in your life might not be happening tomorrow in your life. And, okay. um, you can't see what the future holds. You can only work towards your dreams right. and, you know, keep, keep at it. Keep right. trying. Um, there's no, there's no one way to live. Okay. You know? Yeah. I like that. It's a good answer. It's good. Yeah. Um, so if you could give one book to every person besides your own yeah. books, um, yeah. what would it be? So I think as a writer, this is mm-hmm. a particularly hard one okay. to answer because if I thought there was one book yeah. that would like serve someone for the rest of their right, life, right. I couldn't even be a writer. Definitely. You know? Yeah. Like, you know, it's like there's the whole reason I want to write is because I believe there are so many stories to right. be told and there's, yeah. there's no like putting one above another one or okay. like one answer to one sure, person. Yeah. But that said, I'm, I'm still going to give you an answer. Okay. I still feel like yeah, yeah. <laughs> I should. And that would be, I think, at this moment in time, I read at some point this year, Becoming by Michelle okay. Obama. Yeah, I read that too. And I just felt like so she good. was, she had so many mm-hmm. amazing life lessons mm-hmm. to share with people. Yeah. She's such an empathetic person right cares so deeply about others and is so grateful for yeah where her life has taken her and she's such a you know she talks a lot about like motherhood and, and work-life balance yeah and all of those sort of hot topics um and she is I'm sure she would say that she's you know still still working it out and that's yeah. the point in the book right it's right becoming definitely and I yeah. think that's um but she's so good about she manages to like you know, have these goals for herself and be so ambitious mm-hmm. yeah. and also be so devoted to her family right? and so grateful for how far she's come. I know. I, I just was in such admiration of, of her and yeah. I just thought her story was so, um, so specific because mm-hmm. obviously she ends up in the white house, yeah. but so universal right? at the I same know. time and just such a wonderful read for mothers and daughters and Husbands and definitely, and yeah, it was really everyone. good. I really, really love that book. So I, I loved feel it. Like that would be, and I think I fully believe in the idea. The last book I wrote was called Every Wild Heart, and a lot okay. of that book was about um, about how people change over time. Yeah, and, and um, you know how how that can be a positive thing and how definitely, to embrace yeah. that. And okay, I think of her book in that way too, and the whole yeah. idea of becoming how you never stop becoming. Never stop. You yeah, know, it's never you never like 
reached a certain place where you're like, sure. this is who I am and this is who I'm going to be forever. You yeah. Know? Like you're not going to be the same person in five years that Definitely. you are today. Right. And that's a wonderful thing and an yeah. exciting thing. You Definitely. Know? Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Like, yeah. Everything could change for the better. Right. At any moment. You know, it's really exciting. Yeah. I love that answer. That's great. Um, and I also read the book too. And she was on, so um, Oprah's podcast for, so for listeners that, you know, might not have time to read the book, she yeah. gives a really good interview with, um, oh, Oprah nice. and kind of, you know, summarizes everything that she said in the book. Yeah. So it was great. I actually listened to her, uh, I did the audio book of that. Oh, oh you did? Okay. Yeah. And I listened to it and she narrates it and okay. it's like. Oh, she so narrates nice it? That's yeah, cool. It's so yeah. Nice to, like, spend all that time with her. I with Michelle like, Obama, yeah. Yeah, like, she's my best friend. Yeah. We're going to go for coffee. Definitely, yeah. I love that. Um, okay, so where can everybody find you? And I'll link all your books in the show notes oh, and everything, great. but okay. where can they follow you so they can get, you know, keep updated on yeah. any new books you have and everything? So I have a website. Okay. It's megdonahue.com, mm-hmm. and it's D-O-N-O-H-U-E. Okay. Um... And on there somewhere, I think towards the bottom, you can sign up for my newsletter. Oh, nice. So okay. I send out sort of updates about what I'm working on. Okay. Sometimes my books, I mean, the e-books go on sale at various right. points, so I try and send those out to okay. um, people on my mailing list. Um, and then I'm also on Facebook. Yeah. Meg Donahue. Okay. And um, Instagram. Instagram. Okay. Meg Donahue SF. Perfect. That's my handle. Okay. I'm all over. You're all over. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Me. <laughs> that was great. Thanks, Meg. High Thank five. Thank you. I was at the end. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Thank you so very much for taking the time to listen to High Five Success Stories. To learn more about the podcast, feel free to follow me on Instagram. My handle is at High Five Success. Or on Facebook, you can like High Five Success Stories with Steph Eden. Or I'm also on Twitter. My handle is at High Five Hayden. And lastly, you can subscribe to the newsletter on my website, www.stephhayden.com. And if you get a second, I would really appreciate it if you could rate the podcast on iTunes. Thanks so much.